With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a no idea. <laughs> I, I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? I want to be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy, play guitar. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Well, 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 well. It is the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast. Coast-to-coast, border-to-border. Odd tune-in. iTunes. Radio loyalty. Stitcher and the brand-new Cheeky Jaguar app available in the App Store. CheekyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live. 7 Exclusive news, programming information, all available on our fantastic app. We've got all sorts of things coming up today. Lots of great stuff happening. And uh, lots of good things. And uh, it is the world famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast. Coast to coast, border to border, tune in. iTunes, Radio Loyalty, as I mentioned. Uh, we're going to go to our first guest here in a few moments. What the heck is this? I don't know. We got all sorts of things happening here. We got all sorts of things happening here. If you want to get a hold of us on our app, I encourage you to do so. Jiggychegwire.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news and programming information, all available. On our fantastic app. And uh, we do have a fantastic app. I spent a heck of a lot of money on it to be fantastic. So I hope it's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> a little behind the scenes there, my friends. Here's this. Well, we've got a great guest this morning here on our big broadcast. And uh, we want to go to telephones and... Uh, Go ahead and uh, give us a brief introduction on yourself, my friend. Hi, everybody. So I am Ostiage, the author of The Mirror Said You're Beautiful and the founder and CEO of the charity Star Individuality. Well, tell us a little bit about this, uh, this book that you've written here, my friend. Of course. So my book, The Mirror Said You're Beautiful, is really based on the premise of helping people understand that they are not the only contributing factor of ha- about how they feel about themselves, but rather the everyday lifestyle choices they make, the people they surround themselves with, and equally the way that they treat other people. These are all 
significant factors that all merge into one and develop the identity and the way that you feel about yourself. And my book really takes on that and how to really break down all of those different aspects of your life and how to reevaluate them in the hopes that you can make some better changes and just feel better about yourselves, but also to help other people feel better about themselves through the way that you treat them and the way you interact with them on a daily basis. Well, uh, th this book is absolutely amazing. Tell us a little bit about the writing process. Thank you so much. So the writing process really started right after a visit to the children's hospital where um, I was passing out some crayons and art supplies and some school supplies to the kids. And all of a sudden, this sweet little girl named Julianne propped this random question out, and I was super taken aback. She looks at me and goes, excuse me, when you look in the mirror, does the mirror tell you that you're ugly? And I was so taken aback, and I was like, of course not. Like, whenever you look in the mirror, the mirror tells you you're beautiful. And she just looked at me and kind of shook her head, and she goes, no, no, when I look in the mirror, the mirror tells me I'm ugly. I couldn't just hand her her watercolors and keep walking. So I sat down with her, and we had this amazing conversation about all of these different concepts and aspects of your life that help you feel good about yourself and that influence the way that you perceive yourself and your identity. And towards the end of that conversation, after a few hours, it quickly whisked away. Um, she asked me for a mirror, and she goes, do you have a mirror? And I took out my compact from my purse, and I handed it to her, and she looks in the mirror and goes, I see it now. You're right. The mirror does say you're beautiful. And in that moment, both the title for me had been developed, and I started writing the book. And here we are now. Now, the the, the book is uh, well written. Um Tell us a little bit about what some of your goals for the book are. Thank you so much. So my major goal for The Mirror Said You're Beautiful is for it to be able to help as many people as possible. I want as many people as possible to be able to read it who feel that right now they need a positive lifestyle change in their, book, in their life. And I hope that this book can fully deliver that for people to feel more beautiful about themselves, for them to feel more secure in themselves, but also for them to be able to learn the heavy influence that we can have on the people around us and how we can influence how other people feel about themselves and for people to also be able to have an active consideration about how they treat other people and how our tiny little actions and our gestures can have huge and sometimes detrimental impact on other people, and so that hopefully people can treat others with more awareness. What do you want readers to take away from your writing? I really just want readers to be able to come away from my writing as better people and to feel that they are healthier and they are surrounded by more supportive people and that they are making better decisions about themselves and to really understand that their internal and external reflections are genuinely based off of how they perceive themselves. And outside influences are so subjective and so irrelevant when it comes to feeling beautiful and confident in yourself. And I really hope that 
the way that the book is written and the context in the book can truly help people establish that. Well, um, what, what do you want uh, the, uh, the book community to think of your book? Ultimately, I think that I want the academic community or the book community to feel that the mere said you're beautiful is sharing knowledge and that in today's society when so many people have become selfish with the knowledge they share or the stories they share and the wisdom that they want to keep to themselves, I hope that they understand that this book is genuinely a testament to going back to when people would share their wisdoms and they would entrust other people to do the same. And I'm, I've always been a genuine believer that when we share our knowledge and our wisdom and our stories, that we thrive as a society and as a nation together. And I hope that the book community sees that I'm trying to bring that back and we're trying to help people feel more beautiful about themselves and that they see that and that they hopefully respect it. Well, before we let you go, where can people buy the book and uh, get in touch with you online? Definitely. So you can buy the book at either the mirror said you're beautiful dot com or you can buy it on Amazon and Kindle by typing in the mirror said you're beautiful b y o u t i f u l dot com is the website or you just type in that into Amazon and it'll come up and you can buy it in either book form or an ebook. And, yeah, and you can also get some more information about the book on my website, ostiage.com. Fantastic. Have yourself a wonderful morning. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, brand new marketing partner here to Transmedia Worldwide. Attention attorneys! Are you a sole practitioner or a small law firm? Have you ever thought about hiring a virtual paralegal or a legal assistant? Well, that's exactly what we do at Meridian Paralegal Services. We're available seven days a week from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for all your paralegal and legal assistant needs. Drafting, editing, servicing legal documents are just a few of the legal services we offer within the costs of maintaining a full-time paralegal staff. We are also public notaries and are members of the National Notary Association. Call us today at 954-520-7092. That's 954-520-7092. And for the people in the cheap seats in the back, it's 954 954- Five two zero seven zero nine two. Let's discuss how we can make your law office or your law firm run smoother, giving you more time for the important things. Attention, if you need immigration or divorce document preparation services at affordable prices, please call them today, 954-520-7092. That number, once again, is 954-520-7092. And tell them, you heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. That number, once again, 954 954- Five two zero seven zero nine two. We've got a brand new marketing partner with us today at Transmedia Worldwide. Let's tell you a little bit about these folks. They are absolutely, absolutely amazing. It is a startup. 
It is Imchunga. That's right. Female entrepreneur from Africa is seeking funds to start a health and beauty company. Your support will be highly appreciated. Rose from Kenya has a passion for beauty and cosmetics. In Africa, she noted that the big global color cosmetic brands you see in major department stores overseas are difficult to access. And for that reason, she decided she needed to create a local cosmetic line. She has dreamt of creating her own brand for years, but to create a cosmetic brand for her own sake would be self-serving. She would like to create a conscious product that is made with integrity. This line of merchandise would be made ethically and cruelty-free. Check out the link, secure.com. C-H-A-N-G-A dot C-O dot K-E slash my web slash share slash one three six six two. Let's tell you a little bit more about this. This is a health and beauty industry product. It is absolutely amazing. She has got some incredible, incredible things going on here. It's important to let the listeners know that the people who will contribute and support her Know that her company believes in giving back to society. Whatever income they make, a company, part of the proceeds will be used to give back to society as a corporate and social responsibility initiative. Check it out today online and tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. But let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. Have you ever needed hosting or just couldn't find the right provider who will actually help you along the way? Zippy Host can get you fast, affordable, and reliable hosting for only $3 a month. That's 3 bucks. Plus, if you visit today with us, you will get a 7-day free trial. They also offer hosting for those Minecraft gamers out there. Sign up at zippyhost.co. For more information, that's zippyhost.co. That's Z-I-P-P-Y. H-O-S-T dot C-O. And tell them, you heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. But let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. Check out ADHD Partners. If you or a loved one are impacted by ADHD, it is important to understand the full impact it has on all aspects of life and relationships. Any relationships come with challenges, and the added dimension of ADHD can elevate those challenges into a roller coaster of seemingly gigantic valleys and peaks. At ADHD Partners, we break down the complexity of ADHD relationships. We break them down into four quadrants, connecting, releasing, balancing, and creating. The quadrants allow you to let go and focus on the powerful bite-sized pieces that will move you forward into the life and relationship that you truly want. Good enough is no longer good enough. ADHD Partners does not focus on the relationship itself or on ADHD specifically, but rather on the things that you can control. Find Kimber at www.adhdpartners.com. And learn more about ADHD partner coaching and ADHD coaching for college students and adults. Professional athletes always have a coach by their side to take them to the next level. What does your next level look like? Check out A-D-H-D-P-A-R-T-E-N-E-R-S dot com. And tell them you heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, Right now, listen to this. Touch the ground and hear the sound. Hear the sound. 
That's Captain Richie, featuring Odella Carmen. Woke up on the beach. Richard Richter is an amazing new artist. He's trying to make his new song as popular as possible. He wants to put it as visible and as good as possible. Check out the iTunes link. Also check out SoundCloud.com slash Captain Richie. Also on Deezer and Title Amazon. Here's more from Captain Richie. It's United Waves. Captain Richie, amazing stuff. Flying Band, it's the original mix. Check out SoundCloud.com slash C-A-P-N-R-I-C-H-I-E. It's A-Track Blend Out, Gavin Ritchie, the remix. Get more information online at SoundCloud.com slash Gavin Ritchie. Oh yeah, amazing stuff. Check it out today. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, right now, listen to this. Good Lord. It is the world famous Chicky Jaguar radio broadcast. Coast to coast, border to border. Tune in iTunes, radio loyalty. Stitcher and a brand new Chicky Jaguar app available. In the App Store. Chickycheckwire.us. You can stream the show live. You can do that 24 7. Or you can just join us on TuneIn. Or you can join us on the app. Or you can not join us anywhere. You have to join us anywhere. You could literally tell me to kiss your ass. <laughs> that is that is literally what you can do here on this broadcast. No, 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 no. Come on. Come on, man. Uh, live as live can get today on our big program. Um, it is the Wednesday edition of our broadcast. The Wednesday edition. The Wednesday edition. Call in. See down. Remember, um, Mad TV out there? Call in. See down. The, uh, was she like a cleaning lady? What was that? She was a cleaning woman, I believe. She was a cleaning woman. I don't. You don't need to guess or assume, according to Dr. John John Martini. He's told me that in an email spam that he sent me. I mean, 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 I mean. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go to a delightful author here in a few moments, and if you don't believe her, just ask her, she'll tell you. The fantastic, amazing, Lauren Woodson. That was our first guest. Our second guest is Jane Marla Robbins. And 
we will go to the Skype Rooney and try to connect here with Jane Marla Robbins. Good. There's, Hi. There's Jane. How are you, my friend? Uh, is this James? Yes, this is James calling you for your radio interview. How are you? I'm excited. How are excited. you? Excited. Well, that's good. I like to have people that are excited. Um, <laughs> How are you? Pretty good, actually. We've got uh, Jane Marla Robbins with us today. She is, as you can tell, a very delightful personality. She's a highly respected actress. She's an author who uh, is an amazing, amazing individual. Her latest book is a book of poetry entitled Cafe Mimosa in Topanga. And uh, she's with us today here on our big broadcast. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about your book here, my friend. Well, I live in Topanga, California, which not everybody knows where it is, is in California between Malibu and Santa Monica, Los Angeles, basically, except it's a okay. wild canyon full of ca- uh, coyotes and deer and fires. And the cafe in the middle of it, Cafe Mimosa, attracts everybody from the ca- from the canyon and they're an odd group but they give you nourishment of the heart and the soul and that's <laughs> that is why awesome. i'm was moved i suppose to write about the cafe and the people and the the french uh, woman who owns it and the things she sells and the decorations she has and uh, i've just got a, an email from someone i don't even know who found the book and said it, he thought it had healing properties. I don't even talk like that. Except <laughs> I think that's why people go there, and it doesn't surprise me that people reading the book would feel the healing that comes from being in a community, going to a place if you're lonely and you need family, or even if you don't, and have the support of a community, like-minded people who worship beauty. In this case, the mountains here are woolly and majestic and amazing. That's awesome. That was We've, one long paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it all works. We've got a, uh, a a great guest with us today. She joins us live, the fantastic, delightful personality, Jane Marla Robbins, and uh, she's with us today here on the telephone or here on uh, here on Skype. Oh, now. We've still got you, my friend. We've still got you. Um, tell us about the four distinct types of poetry. Um, that's the kinds of poetry. I know my um, somebody sent you those questions because I've been reading. Anybody can find on YouTube me reading from two of my books of poetry. Yes, yes. Poems of the Laughing Buddha and the Cafe Mimosa in Topanga. And uh, I did these recordings about four years apart, and I noticed that the performance, there are, I noticed there are four kinds of performing. I come to this discipline from the theater where I was an actress for 35 years and did movies, Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 5, a lot of theater. And so performing was something that I was well acquainted with, but suddenly I was not playing a character, James. I was myself. So I realized this required a different approach. Um, the first book, Dogs in Topanga, which I didn't mention, they're all sold on Amazon. I did, and that was kind of fun. And somebody said to me who knew me well, oh, Jane, you danced the poems. And I thought, how how interesting is that? Because dance was my first love. That's a whole other story, a whole other book. But the point is, how many ways can you read a poem? In fact, I was probably acting out the dogs, and that's probably 10 years ago. Then with the Laughing Buddha, 
I thought this was a very serious thing about laughter, which is very important, as we know, when people laugh. Our bodies actually produce a chemical which strengthens our immune system. So I thought it was very serious, and somebody said, "Oh, Jane, I'm 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 doing a nat- what it was a National Poetry Month. Come and come and read some poems from your new book." And I read, and people were laughing. And it turns out I'm very funny um, because I'm very serious, and it's a little larger than some people live for whatever reason. Maybe I just needed like Sir Lawrence Olivier. I was desperate to be seen. So people laughed awesome. at that. So this last book, uh, Cafe Mimosa in Topanga, I was almost ready. But if you go on YouTube and you see me reading these poems, they are cheering and laughing. One of the poems they found hilarious. And I, it, it, it gratifies me. I, I do have a sense of humor. I do love a sense of humor. I do love laughter. And I think that's part of gift of, of these books. I mean, there's even a, a chapter, there's a self-help book I have out there called Acting Techniques for Everyday Life, and it talks about the healing properties of laughter and how by being in touch with that energy, we sometimes both heal ourselves and make a situation easier to get through, whether it's talking with someone. I had a wonderful acting teacher named Harold Clerman, a very brilliant um, Broadway director, and in his acting classes, we would always be laughing. And then one day he shared with us this quite wonderful observation that truth, he said, is a very difficult pill to swallow. But when people are laughing, then I just get to pop it in when their mouths are open. Absolutely now, amazing. That story. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> amazing. Now, uh, w- w- with your book, what do you want readers to take away from your writing? From what I write, you know what I've what I've realized now that I have four books on Amazon that that what they have in common is a celebration of life, and they're somehow organized to help people feel better. I'm not saying everybody who picks up my book has to be depressed so they can feel better. People who are happy read it and get more happy, and they laugh out loud apparently. But I guess what I'm saying there are a lot of modalities which help us feel better. I think I woke up this morning thinking, you know, if I just make myself happy today, I'm giving a gift to the world because, you know, who wants to walk around grumpy? It depresses other people. And, you know, on the best day, you know, everyone in the world would buy my book and would be laughing and happy. And that's any of the books can do that, which is odd but seems to be true. So I think that's what I think people take away from these books, whether it's an acting technique to make it easier to get along with a difficult mother-in-law or to get through a job interview. I'm, I'm actually coaching now veterans on how to make their job interviews more effective with these acting techniques. And when you think about it, an actor is trained to get on a stage even if his mother's died and if he's playing the role of somebody upbeat and full of joy well that's his job to communicate it to the audience and so in life if we need a technique like that well there's the book there are the poems absolutely amazing stuff we've got laughter is a very serious business i think 
We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Jane Marla Robbins joins us here on our big broadcast. And uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing individual. Um, with with your acting, how did, how did your acting in, uh, in, in, in all the Rocky movies and arachnophobia and things like that, how did that prepare you to, to write poetry? Well, it's really interesting because I, I was thinking, how, does it, how did all that help me write poetry, perform poetry? In terms of the writing, the playwriting, I've had four plays done in New York, two on Broadway. There's structure that I think our physical bodies crave, which is story. Story has a challenge, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And... Maybe by accident, maybe not. All my poems seem to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, so that there's a tension in the beginning which draws people in. And then there's a resolution which somehow makes them feel they've had a full meal. I know there's a a brilliant acting teacher who says, sometimes you can end a poem and it doesn't have to be resolved. Yeah, (laughs) I have nothing against that. But even that should be a full meal even a short poem, which is why haikus are so satisfying to so many people. They're short, but they have that, that punch. And even at the end, if it leaves it with a question mark, it gives you something to chew on and to meditate on and to enjoy and to feel like you're taking the next step towards understanding your life so you can live it more fully. And um, to more fully answer the question in terms of writing, all those years playing so many different characters from Mozart's sister at the Kennedy Center to Moses' sister in New York to, well, there's a very, very, to, to the, the pet shop owner in Rocky. I was able to learn, and some of it comes automatically, I think, how to get into somebody else's shoes. So in that way, I think I totally lose myself in a poem. So whatever I'm writing about, let's say I'm writing about another person or my laughing Buddha statue, I open myself to that energy the way I would and did open myself to characters so that I totally inhabited the psyche, the spiritual life, the emotional life, even the physical life of a character. Absolutely amazing. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here on Skype Audio. And um, uh, what, what, what do you want to accomplish with the book? What, what, what are you hoping that, that the book accomplishes, my friend? I guess I hope all four books accomplish the same thing, although I perhaps was not conscious of that when I wrote them. But I think I'm a natural um, healer, not a curer but helping people, I think people who come to my work or my workshops with a, maybe a small, maybe a large desire to change a little, which is a very courageous act, I believe, because change is difficult. Uh, what, a body at rest likes to stay at rest. A, a dog just came to rest on my leg. I don't know why I find that hilarious. <laughs> um, so I think that what I want to accomplish is somehow to have the grace and the wisdom to answer that need in people to say, hey, you know, I want to live a little more intensely or a little more myself. I love that story that when, say, if I get to heaven or whatever it is where where I might arrive perhaps after my life, if there's somebody at the pearly gate, he's not going to say, Jane, 
why weren't you more like Mother Teresa? He's going to say, why weren't you more like Jane Marla Robbins? (laughs) And I think everybody has that hunger to feel what it is, not only to feel what it's like to be who they are, but to find out what that person desires deeply to be more fully that person, to make them feel more alive so that at the end of a life they can say, I've lived. I can't say I, I do it every hour myself, but I think that's the goal, to live as, an intense, as intensely, to enjoy life as intensely, to live it as fully as we can. I know when I, when I coach people who are in sales or veterans when they go to job interviews, and I do say, you know, what people are hungry for is someone who's fully living their life with joy. And sometimes that's a huge challenge. Uh, believe me, I've had them. <laughs> we don't have to go there today. But, yes, loss and fear and loss is the big, the big one that depresses people, and it needs to be honored. I'm not saying we don't cry. We have to cry through that to be fully in our lives and to be fully ourselves. But finally, if you're looking for a job, who are they going to hire? Say two people are, are, are selling the same car. The person who looks like they're enjoying their life, people, that's what they're hungry for. They want to be near that because they want to learn it because it's not an easy lesson for some of us. But I think that's what the lesson and the pleasure is to fully live our lives joyfully. That's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here on Skype Audio to uh, discuss her books of, of poetry. Now, um, you've got several books out there uh, as far as poetry is concerned. Compare and contrast them for us. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to first start with something I came up with for my last poetry reading. I was reading poems from the Cafe Mimosa in Topanga poetry book. And... As I said, the poems describe the regulars who show up at the cafe and what's served there and what's on the walls. And I suddenly got in in my head to say at the end of the reading, and now for my last poem, I'm going to eat a chocolate chocolate chip muffin. Now, I did not eat the muffin, but why I loved this, and this is performance art. We were talking about the different ways to read a poem and how that had changed for me through the years. What I've come to see is that ideally anything can be a poem in our lives, so that eating a muffin should be an artistic experience full of joy and wonder. Awe is one of my famous words. And I think that comes through in all the poems, that I might might take an image whether it's a dog in the Dogs in Topanga book or whether it's uh, simply plants growing in front of my statue of the Laughing Buddha in my book, Poems of the Laughing Buddha, or if it's a chocolate chocolate chip muffin, that these objects can give us almost ecstatic joy if we're in a place where we can see deeply, feel deeply, really embrace and rejoice in the miracle of whatever it is, a plant, a dog, a muffin. So though the objects in all of those three poetry books may be different, the celebration is the same. It isn't that I don't talk about pain, because I do, 
but ultimately it's to celebrate every part of life, whether it's pain or joy. And even now that I think of it, the book, Acting Techniques for Everyday Life, every single technique there, when practiced, is like reciting a poem. Okay, one of my favorite examples is Marilyn Monroe. She got terribly dried up and couldn't even move. She was doing a, a film in London with Sir Lawrence Olivier, who was considered the greatest actor of the 20th century, and she froze up, and her acting teacher had gone to England with her, and Marilyn said, help, Paul, I don't know what to do. And she was given these two techniques to imagine that she was drinking Coca-Cola because the sensory memory would make her body as alive as if she really had her favorite drink in her mouth and she was sensorily feeling and tasting the bubbles, the sugar. And the coach also answered, um, and why don't you also add Frankie Sinatra? So when you look at this door, English actor who was not pleased with her at all because she was a star and much of if you see the movie Prince and the Showgirl, she's the one who's shining. But her coach suggested that Marilyn imagine again sensorily that Sir Lawrence Olivier was Frank Sinatra with whom Marilyn was having an affair. So Marilyn, again, through her body, could wake up the feelings of joy or being turned on, being ecstatic, being sexy that she felt with Frank Sinatra. And in a sense, those are poems too. Each episode of using a technique is like reading a poem. So she read her lines, that was her poem. But as I was mentioning how my poetry performances have changed, so her performance there was informed by the Coca-Cola and Frank Sinatra. I, I, I'm sorry not to see things more simply this morning, but for some reason I feel like I'm on a roll. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely love this. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast, Border to Border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, the delightful personality, Jane Marla Robbins, with us today here in our broadcast. Now, um... You were a finalist for a CAPS grant in poetry from the National Endowment of the Arts. Uh, tell us a little bit about this experience. Well, it's, it's interesting you should pick that, because that was probably 20 years ago or more, 30. And I was very young, maybe it was 40. And I was a finalist. And James, I come from a family and from belief systems where I thought, a finalist? I didn't win. Well, I'm no good at that. And I gave it up for 40 years. Wow. I wrote poetry for myself because there's a, there's a poet in me that needs to express herself always. Yes. But I didn't try to get them published. I just, I was like, in the, I was like a closet poet. It's like, well, I'm not a winner, so I'm not, I can't be very good, but <laughs> I won't tell anyone I'm writing all these poems. <laughs> but I never stopped writing. And I guess I'm, I'm happy to share that story because I think that there are people out there who maybe because they were merely a finalist or even if they didn't win, that they were a winner because they loved passionately what they did. And with practice, because obviously I've been practicing, I'll be in a, in a poetry closet all these years, the poems got better, 
And that, that there's that old saying, follow your bliss. And it's true. I, I truly love writing now. And what's amazing and thrilling to me is that people are reading my poems and they love the poems. So it's not about a prize or winning. It's about, I think what I am in these poems is totally authentic and myself and that I'm sharing that reality w- through poems. So that's, and I never, I never applied again. I became an actress. I became a coach. I was coaching lawyers all over the country. Now I'm coaching veterans. I made money. I have a house. And it's all the, it's all the same thing. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm still writing poetry. And maybe now I realize because of your show <laughs> that it's all a poem. You know, a conversation is a poem. If, if, if we wrote down our conversation, it would be a long poem. But it still would be a piece of literature that would, I think, because you're such a clever interviewer, that would inform people and maybe open their hearts or their minds a little more than they were when they, than when they tuned in to the show, I hope. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here on Skype Audio uh, to discuss her poetry and uh, many of her other exploits. Jane Marla Robbins with us today. And... Uh, uh, Okay, going from poetry into the acting world, um, mm. how the heck did you end up in such an iconic <laughs> movie such as Rocky? How the hell did this happen? Well, it's interesting because I'm, um, I, for some reason this morning, it occurred to me that everything I do has to do with love, so I'm going to start there. Okay. I, when I graduated from college, I mean, I guess what I'm talking about is serendipitous, synchronistic miracles that happen. Um, When I graduated from college, for whatever crazy reasons, probably because my mother, whom I loved and um, wanted me to be an actress, I had to be a star to get her attention. So how could I do that? And I found a a diary of some 18th century English novelist. I know this is a long version. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead and tell it. So I found this journal, and I'm like, i got to be a star. Hey, look how long these journals and letters are. I could do this on KCET, and I, you know, so, but it was the 18th century, and I had a, uh, there was a friend I met at college who was very brilliant about the 18th century. Actually, he's very brilliant, and, and actually just got a, a genius award a few years ago for work not in the theater, but... We wrote a show together. So what I'm ta- I want every episode that I share with you to be about love. So we were friends, which is a kind of love. And I played a character who wrote a bestseller in 1778. And I loved her because that's how I work. You have to love your character on some level, I think, to move the audience so that their hearts are open to. That was a huge success, James. Huge. I mean, I ran it for 20 years all over the country and in England and we got fabulous reviews, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Someone, um, okay, so it ran in New York for six months in 1968, and I guess, in, in 1968, 1974, and then I came out to California to be a star, because apparently you can't, in those days, it was thought you couldn't star on Broadway unless you starred on television or movies. So, okay, I, out I came. I had been, of course, given a ticket by a university to do this one-woman show at their theater. And I didn't even know how to drive. And I'm hitchhiking one day, okay? Because I don't have a car. 
And an agent picks me up. And he says, and I say, oh, I'm an actress. I don't have an agent, blah, blah, blah. He says, have I got a movie for you? I don't know. And he gave me the name of the director who was staying. Why do I think he was staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel? So I put my picture and resume into an envelope and addressed it to this person. Okay. The movie, of course, was Rocky. Uh, he was seeing me because I probably looked shy at the time, although hitchhiking like a mad woman might make you think otherwise. <laughs> um, and, I, of course, he was thinking I would star opposite Sylvester Stallone as uh, the role that Talia Shire got, who is short. She's brilliant in that movie. Okay. So, but no, there was the role of the pet shop owner. So the director opened my picture and resume, and guess what? He had seen that one-woman show six years earlier in New York, and he just wow. offered me the role. No no audition. Holy smokes. And that's how I got in Rocky. Holy smokes. That's a lovely story. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is an incredible story. We've got... And that's John Avelson, who I can say I loved, and he died about uh, six months ago. Wow. And he, 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 he directed all the Karate Kid movies. He yep. got an Academy Award for Rocky. A very brilliant man. I've been lucky. A lot of geniuses in my life. Because yes. I think that movie is a work of genius. Which was the combined genius of Sylvester Stallone and John Avelson. I, I, I believe they're both geniuses. Anyway, Absolutely that wasn't a quick amazing. answer, but... No, 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 no. I, I, like, I like the detail. I like the detail. We've got a great guest with us today. Jane Marla Robbins joins us here in our broadcast. And um, uh, you mentioned earlier that you're coaching veterans for job interviews. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about this, because th th this is an incredible, incredible piece of business that you're undertaking here. Well, yes, it is. Um, I, I, I sighed not because the work is hard, because I love my work, but because I know what they've been through. Yeah. So my job is to bring them back to America. They've been in Afghanistan, Iraq. And to reintroduce them to the selves that they left behind. A lot more carefree, a lot more joy-filled. They haven't seen as much you know, loss of life and traumatic, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome, as we know, alters the wiring of the brain and the body. But so do acting techniques. That's what's so amazing. In other words, if I told you to <clears throat> salivate, you don't salivate. If, on the other hand, I said, can you imagine you're eating a lemon, you'd start salivating. So that automatic unconscious responses can be awakened through the senses and so we do some sensory work to bring them back to that body the memories are all there and this sense memory isn't only um, a cornerstone of all the actors but also hospitals have been using it I, I love that Harvard did a, a study and they had four groups of people, and the first group, all four were getting operations, and they weren't having total anesthesia, just local, maybe they're taking out a gallbladder or whatever. 
And the first group was told by the doctor probably what he was going to do. Everything would be fine, right? Okay. Second group, a lot more compassionate and empathetic. The nurse, you'll be fine. Number three, music, because we know music also changes the brainwaves pictures. So in the fourth group, we're given sense memory. Um, whatever people call it in hospitals, maybe somebody spoke to them and said, hey, you like the ocean? Can you smell the ocean, the salt air? Can you hear the waves? Can you feel the sand on your feet? And such a state of relaxation can be arrived at from that, that that fourth group had shorter hospital stays, needed less pain medication, and were um, had lower blood pressure than the other th three groups. I mean, I find that astounding. But in fact, it's the mystery of the body, which I'm happy to say I'm always astounded. We, we, we send people to Mars, and then people don't know this stuff <laughs> so that they can kill themselves. Yes. So, yes. and what I... So that's what I share with the veterans, because when they're feeling secure in themselves and glad to be alive, which is what these techniques offer, then if they go for a job interview, they just have to speak their truth because they, they're all qualified, they're all smart, all the people I have, I have been coaching, I'm happy to say. Absolutely amazing personality with us today. Jane Marla Robbins joins us here on our big broadcast. Uh, Jane's got some incredible books out there. She's she's acted in some of the most legendary movies that there is. She's been on television, Broadway, um, all over the place. Check out her website, janemarlarobbins.com. That's www.janemarlarobbins.com. And... Uh, Jane, let, let, let's talk about um, your your trip to Broadway. Um, you you were in Richard the Third, um, Noon and Night, uh, several other great great uh, packages there. Um, tell us a little bit about getting to Broadway and uh, being on Broadway. These are just the best questions, James. <laughs> Thank you so much. Here I go down memory lane. Okay, my mother, as I mentioned, wanted me to be a star. So in, in those days, that's what it meant, star on Broadway. That was yes. the top of the heap. And the truth is, I grew up in Manhattan, so Broadway was actually only two blocks from my house. Not where the theaters were, but we were upper uh, on the Upper West Side, which is very different in those days. And that one-woman show that I mentioned to you, um, which got all the rave reviews, which, by the way, I produced for myself for $50. I found a theater, a theater which was dark on a Monday night, and my, my friend that I mentioned before, and I had written this one-woman play for me, and the man who said I could do it at his little theater suddenly when I guess I read it for him, he was not impressed, as opposed to every critic across America. And I was so angry because my friend had worked with me and his girlfriend had made my costume. And I said, I have to, it was interesting because anger is a funny emotion. Sometimes it serves us and sometimes it doesn't. But I was, it was righteous indignation. And I thought, how do I solve this and get it on? And I went, oh. All the off-Broadway theaters are dark on Monday nights. Huh. 
How much could it be to rent one? 50 bucks? Okay, we can charge people. <laughs> and so we, as I mentioned, we, we actually we started doing Monday nights only because I was a nobody. I couldn't even get into the Actors' Equity Union because I hadn't been in an equity show. Of course, you can't audition for an equity show unless you're a member of Equity Catch-22. So at least I had this little play, and... We kept um, writing the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and sending little reviews and putting up. We had all week to put the flyers up all over the village. And people kept coming. And after six weeks, the New York Times came and gave it a total rave. The next morning, Actors' Equity called me and said they would picket the show unless I joined. <laughs> um, that is awesome. <laughs> I know, and you know, I wasn't savvy in those days. I could hardly believe what it meant to have a review in the New York Times or that people were calling or coming, and I was, you know, had my picture in Vogue magazine, and I was being interviewed for series, which meant nothing to me. Okay, so I didn't make a... Sp that would have been hilarious, because really, I guess what I've just shared with you is a story of a woman, or a human, desperate to act, desperate to be a star, and went to, you know, quite some lengths to get there, got there, and then I, you know, I was auditioning for everything, including Morning, Noon, and Night, which were three plays by Israel Horowitz, Leonard Melfi, and Terrence McNally, who's still writing for Broadway, and there I was on Broadway. I should share that at that point, um, I had a terrible personal loss, and I could not really enjoy my so-called success because my father and the man I wanted to marry were suddenly absent from my life, and I was lost, which I guess was a big lesson, not that I learned it, that that fame doesn't cure all ills, <laughs> you know? There I was starring on Broadway, which had been my dream, and then it turned out it, it it wasn't rewarding me in the way I wanted to be rewarded. So since that time, I guess I've been on a path of, okay, what is rewarding? Is it strangers in a theater clapping their heads off? Frankly, this last, I'm going to bring you up to date because I know your show is about to be over, but... Um, last month, when the last book of poetry came out, Cafe Mimosa in Topanga, I did a reading of some of the poems at Cafe Mimosa in Topanga, which was really more like a happening. It was performance art, and I had come from reading and acting and reciting. But this, aside from the muffin that I didn't eat, um, <laughs> I, was, I was making something that fed my soul. Uh, both because it was uh, the cafe looked beautiful, it was a it was a brilliant party, and people were there. I mean, it was an extraordinary event. And by the way, you can you can see this on YouTube. But to be there with people who loved me and understood, I felt I was giving the kind of gift that really feeds my soul. <clears throat> and it was not an anonymous audience, and it was a book of poems that, on some level, I felt was a gift to the people in Topanga. They may only be 6,000, whatever it is. It's a small town. So um, I think when I, <clears throat> I think I, when I did the, when I got to play uh, Richard III at, at Lincoln Center for Joe Papp with Michael Moriarty, that was, um, that felt like something I should have loved. It was very hard. Um, I got fired 
for being brilliant. That's another story. <laughs> and and <laughs> I, <clears throat> I was commissioned by the Kennedy Center to write a one-woman play about Mozart, Mozart's sister. And then... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.